Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Ken. I'm so glad you guys stopped by today. Hey, I'm going to give you time to go get your coffee and your virtual donut and sit back and get ready to hear some um, interesting conversation. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about the sex trafficking in America. I do have a special guest today from Hookers with Jesus, Annie LaBear, and she will be uh, sharing her story and uh, maybe shed some light on the travesty of the sex industry. And if you have little ones today, if you have little ears running around the house today, you might want to put those little ears away or listen at another time um, just to be safe. And, um, but I'm going to give you time to go get your coffee and your virtual donut. But hey, hey, real quick, before you move on to that, um, hey, I'm a hugger and I like hugs. So if, um, if you ever see me at church or anywhere, hey, feel free to give me a hug. But here's real quick, five, five ways hugs are good for you. Five ways hugs are good for you. Number one, hugs make the sick feel better. Um, this is coming from Psychology Today. There's a study done in a hospital where they tested out people who were sick and, and they monitored how many hugs um, each set of uh, patients got. And the ones that got more hugs um, felt better quicker and recovered quicker than the ones that got fewer hugs or no hugs. Number, uh, number two. Um, lower blood pressure. So those who get more hugs, it helps lower the blood pressure. All right. Next, in nursing facilities with uh, older patients, they found by um, examining which elderly people got the most hugs, and they found the ones that got the most hugs were more alert and more active the day when they got a lot of hugs. They were more active and alert. So, hey, I want to be active and alert. Give me a hug. (laughs) Uh, Next. They found out that um, hugs reduce stress, stress levels. Um, There is a, 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 well, chemicals in the brain that are only released um, through a hug. That chemicals in the brain, when you receive a hug, releases these chemicals and tends to calm the body down. So, hey, I don't want to be stressed either. Give me a hug. Um, And lastly, they they studied the, the time frame of a hug. And they found that a one-second hug. Now, that's mostly us guys, right? If us guys meet and we're just giving each other hugs real quick, it's no more than one second. Because after one second between us guys, it gets kind of awkward, right? Just, just just, kind of a guy thing, right? You ladies, you guys, you guys hug a little bit longer. But the study showed that a five to ten-second hug are the best. Five to ten-second hugs are the best. Now course guys guys and girls we got to be careful you know 
for marriage, you don't want to be giving another lady a, a hug like that, you know. But, but uh, <laughs> um, anyway, five to ten second hugs are the best. So I just want to throw that out there to you. All right, now you got time to go run and get your coffee, cup of coffee, and your virtual donut. And uh, when we come back, we'll start the show with my special guest. guys we are back from our break and as promised i have annie lobert from hookers for jesus a ministry dedicated for the outreach um, from ladies in the sex industry and she's also the founder director of hookers for jesus as well as destiny's house so annie um welcome to the show and um what can you tell us about all the different things that you're involved in well hey kenneth how are you doing today Doing mornings, well, thank you. Mornings with Ken. <laughs> mornings with Ken. Hey, I, we always have to have coffee. On. I'm not sure if you're a coffee drinker, but I I'm a tea drinker. Like, tea drinker. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, oh, yeah. that's I'm fine. a green tea. I'm a green tea <laughs> lover. So, you know, I used to drink coffee, but let me tell you something. This kind of ties into my story about me being trafficked and being in the sex industry as a call girl is that I actually uh, did so much drugs that my adrenal glands, I believe they've been damaged. (laughs) And so when I drink coffee, I get a really strong anxiety reaction where I literally feel like the world is falling apart if I drink too much coffee. So that's why tea is my go-to. And green tea has a natural L-thinine, which is a really great amino acid. And that's why I drink green tea because it's good for your brain. Well, maybe I should do the switch. I might have to do the switch. And it tastes so good. And there's so many varieties of different green tea. You can get roasted. You can get, you know, the raw, you know, dried in the sun. There's sencha. There is so many. There's right now I'm drinking gemmaicha, which gemmaicha is green tea, sencha mixed with rice, fried rice kernels. And it is just absolutely delicious. Can I tell you that? Delicious. Oh, you, you sure can. And, I mean, that's and, and it tastes like you're drinking popcorn in a way. Huh. It's like a really good taste, but also it, it has a little popcorn in it, believe it or not. A tiny bit of popcorn. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> really that, cool, right? <laughs> I, you know, but you're in, the, you're in the fancy place, I think, in Las Vegas. And I'm here in North Canton, Ohio. I don't know if we have that fancy stuff here. I'd have to look around. Actually, I I think that it's not even just about the fancy part. Now, I've been to Japan 
probably about nine times. And so I kind of became a green tea connoisseur before it was cool to have green tea. Trust and believe mm. that. Like I was, I, you know, I was with a Japanese man for many, many, many years, eight years actually engaged to him. And so I was around the Japanese culture, absolutely love the Japanese culture, love the food, love the people. Uh, I, I secretly wished I was Japanese at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it, wasn't there a song in the 80s about that? Um, I think I'm turning oh, Japanese. No. You know, there was. There's, there was also, if you remember, um, it goes, Ue o you mite aranuko yomni dum yao haushina yomni nakilaga la. Anyway, it's a Japanese song. Wow. It's, it's uh, I, I know I can, I can sing it in Japanese. I, I have another one that I can sing uh, that's called <laughs> Dango. It's, it sounds weird, but it's Oshishi nana site dango, dango, Okusinata daisy dango, dango. So it's, uh, it's part of their culture. So Dango is a sweet rice treat. And it was a crazy phase when I was in Japan. Everybody was singing that song. And they would have these little carts on the street, like they would sell, you know, roasted chestnuts. They would sell like um, okonomiyaki. Uh, uh, also, um, they would sell octopus and uh, deep fried octopus. So the dango would be on a cart and it would just be covered with like teriyaki sauce or sweet sauce. And it was, it was rice that was uh, in a type of a dough form. And it was a lot like mochi, but a, not as chewy, but it was really good. So anyway, let me just get to the chase really quick, Ken. Sure. Here's yeah. the deal. So I have, I have a really crazy story. I was trafficked in the 80s and 90s by two different sex traffickers. In, in the back in the day, they called it pimps. But I did not realize that my boyfriends were pimps. I grew up in a really tumultuous household. My dad was uh, abusive towards us children. He was very... Uh, condescending but also very uh, physically abusive more or less to my brothers my mom in front of me but he would hit me too but not not as often as everyone else he yelled a lot he was always angry he had a lot of child abuse happen to him from my grandfather which I found out later in 2006 but I didn't realize it at the time and so I grew up in a very uh, rebellious type of attitude towards my father and towards my mother, she was super loving. And I got into high school. I got date raped. I was a party girl. I left home. I was 18 years old, got three jobs and was completely like into the party scene. Every weekend I'd go out into the clubs. And so one night my girlfriend and I actually it was on a ladies night at Marshall's nightclub, which is now called Choices in downtown Minneapolis over close to Hennepin Avenue in Washington. Oh. And yeah, it was a, a, a nightclub back in the day and you didn't have to bring your ID. I knew the owner. I'm, I, I was a teenager, okay? Did you mm. know that the scientists say that your brain isn't really physically fully formed until you're about 25? So because of that, we naturally have a tendency as young people to have really wild lifestyles if we have no boundaries and we haven't been brought up correctly. And not to say that my parents didn't bring me up correctly. I was rebellious towards my father. And anytime that you are in a relationship with your daughter and you don't really have a relationship and you're just the dad and you're the mean dad and the dad that always yells at you and the dad that always has all these strict rules, you will create unknowingly a very rebellious child. So I went to this nightclub 
had all three of my jobs and I was totally overworked and these guys walked in and my girlfriend and I were like, Ooh, they have money. And back then I really didn't have a lot of money. I was used to wearing used clothing. I never really had my own car. I had just gotten my own car and I wanted to get my own apartment. I also wanted to go to college. So you could say that the upbringing of my family and the sexual abuse that happened from a neighbor when I was eight and nine years old and then getting date raped in school, that it just all catapulted into this total attitude that I had towards men, uh, towards I need to get some money, I need to make it my life because obviously relationships weren't working for me. And I thought money would be my answer. And see, it says in the Bible that money, the love of money, not money itself, Ken, is the root of all evil, right? So the love of money. And I didn't know this, but at the time, my father's, uh, a generation before him, they were wealthy. And I guess one of my great grandfathers, he blew it all, sold all his houses and just drank it, drank himself to to oblivion i guess and there was a lot of bitterness in my family on my dad's side because they're from well-to-do people in fact on my grandmother's side senator day i'm actually related to senator day from illinois oh wow look way back in the day yes i believe he was a democrat yeah (laughs) i won't hold that against them um (laughs) no politics on mornings with ken but um. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to mention that your relative was a Democrat, but you know, yeah, I, love I, know. My de- I love my Democrats because I am actually a former Democrat. I don't believe well. in the par- the way the party's going right now, but I, I was, I'm still registered a Democrat actually. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was a Democrat for many years. So all that to say, I literally saw these guys and my girlfriend ends up dating one of the guys. Well, the guy that I saw that I was with the other man, I was not attracted to him. And I was like, ew, we did not know that these men were undercover pimps. We had no idea. And what ended up happening is my girlfriend called me up. And I'm, I remember sitting at my desk at work because I worked at Investors Diversified Services at the IDS building, which is the American Express. It, that's what it really is. They have insurance policies. And I was working in life accounting which I could look up anyone's insurance policy in the world that had American Express life insurance. And I could tell you exactly what was on their policy and all their limits. And I knew of policies of very, very prominent wealthy people. Okay. And very famous stars. Let's just say that. Yeah. I I wouldn't be on that list. Uh, you wouldn't have saw me I, on that list. But. I, I mean, I did look up a couple people. I'm not going to lie. I, I looked up Michael Jackson. I sure did. I did. Oh. I saw his I saw his life insurance policy. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, I hope they don't come after me now. But anyway, I never right, told anyone right. about it. You're the first person I told. <laughs> I was real curious because I was a big fan of his. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Back in the day. So the king anyway, of pop. I, that's right. The king of pop. And I loved Prince as well. So I was like really into artists that were you know, uh, minority artists, basically. And I loved R&B. And so anyway, I ended up getting that phone call from her and she was calling me from Hawaii and she was like, I'm in my car. I'm in a drop top Corvette. I'm on the car cell phone. I mean, this is 1987, 88. Like we're talking, nobody had smartphones back then. No, no. And if you had a car phone, you were doing something kind of important. Okay. Yeah, it was like Either a shoebox. 
yeah. The car phone back were, there was like a shoebox. Either you were a real estate agent or you were a drug dealer. There's no other choices, right? Or right. you were an escort. <laughs> okay, oh, like, or, or you were a movie star. You had you were someone very important or a politician, right? So I was fascinated by the fact that she was calling me from the phone. She goes, hey, I got a plan. If you want to come out here, I can show you what I'm doing. She's like, your plane ticket will be 500 And then she goes, girl, I'm getting $500 an hour minimum. I and mean, I'm like, what? She was like, yeah, sometimes I get 1000 Sometimes I get 2000 And I was like, let me in on this job that you're doing. She goes, look, you don't have to have sex. You just get the money and then just leave. And I'm like, wow. So I naturally went out there. I mean, who could resist the thought? I mean, $3.47 an hour or $4.47 an hour, like that does not cut it in the world. And in the 80s, of course, you know, you double that rate, but that still was not enough money for me. You know, I... And you're, are you about like 20 years old at this time? Are you still a teenager? I was a teenager. Okay. I believe, I I think I had just, I might've just turned 19. I I, I might still, I might've been the edge of 18 turning 19. So all that to say, I mean, come on, I was a teenager, Ken. Yeah. And I flew out there, I flew out there and I'm just like, she showed me this life. And the first night that I worked, I, I changed my name. I had a fake ID. I went to this ID place and, and it, my name was Fallon York. Cause you pick a different name when you're in the sex industry. Mm. Okay. You sure. don't reuse your real name ever. And mm. I sold myself for the first time. I had no pimp. I was independent. I got my money. I was there for two weeks. I, I remember I had made like thousands of dollars and I remember bringing it home in my purse and I was like, yeah, you know, I quit oh. my job. I put my two weeks notice in an IDS. I quit my pizza job. I, I worked at Deluna's Pizza on the weekend and I quit my job that I had at night, which was five to 11. I worked at Ichiban's. It was a very famous steakhouse back in the day, Japanese steakhouse with sushi bar and all that. Really nice place to work, by the way. I really enjoyed working there. It was one of the highlights of my life, actually. I loved being a, a Tepan Yaki waitress. I just loved it. Loved it. Enjoyed it so much wearing the kimono and having my hair up in a bun. It was so fun for me. And I know that sounds kind of dumb, but I mean, to me, that, that job had purpose. I made people happy. I got good tips. It was a fun job. And I got to eat free Japanese food. And that was like the (laughs) highlight, right? Oh, so I ended up coming back and I started working the escort services in Minnesota, but actually I did start doing, you know, stripper, stripper parties as well. Because I met this friend and he got me like reading the Bible, believe it or not. He was like, oh, I was doing music in studios. I was actually doing background vocals for different bands. And I was really into the music scene. I was following the Prince, the whole Prince thing. And actually one of my really good friends, and I dated him for a short time, was Morris Hayes. He he was uh, Prince's music director. And it was before Prince actually had him as music director. And uh, I ended up, you know, seeing this lifestyle as a way out of my poverty Mm. and yeah no pimp in the beginning was hanging out with a bunch of musicians and so i started stripping and then i started working at the nightclub strip stripping at the nightclubs and that's when i met my trafficker and he walked in one day and i just was like oh he's so good looking and he's he looks powerful he looks like he's well connected he has a huge bankroll he has a nice car he wears nice clothes and I was totally attracted to him. 
And I think that I thought, I'm going to try love again in my heart. I'm just going to try love again. And I fell in love with him, not realizing he was a pimp. I took him with me to Las Vegas. So the first night that I worked in Las Vegas, and that was the first night of my trafficking life. He beat me down, uh, took everything I had, put me in my girlfriend's room. And I'll never forget that night because I felt completely helpless. And my girlfriend at the time, she wanted to call the police and her, her boyfriend wouldn't let her. Of course he was a pimp. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying it lightly when I say boyfriend, he was a pimp, wouldn't let her call the police. And for the next five years, I was trafficked by him mm. and it was an awful experience. At the same time, I learned a lot. I made so much money. Like it was unbelievable how much money I made. Like I never thought that I would age I always thought I would look young and be pretty. I went on calls that were called barely 18. A lot of the men that would order me thought I was underage because I'd never looked my age. I always looked like a a little girl, Hmm. which unfortunately in the trafficking world is very attractive when you're being attractive. When you're being trafficked, they will pay more for ladies that look like they're little girls or people that are teenagers that are working. And technically I was a teenager, so... Um, I didn't so, turn so, 21 until several years later where I was the legal drinking age and I was still with my pimp. So it seems like the poverty and then being taken away or, you know, going to, a, you know, Las Vegas, or, you're, you're, you're at the mercy of your pimp at that point. Because I, I, I was, I was, yeah, and okay. he was a gorilla pimp. The gorilla pimps are the kinds that enforce their rules with beatings pistol whipping, threats, serious harm, you know, everything you can think of that could control a person. See, a pimp has to just get you in this place of isolation and where you don't have means to contact your family. Also, they get you into a place where you're in love with them as well. He was also a Romeo pimp, but he was a Romeo slash gorilla pimp. Is that possible? Absolutely. Some people say, well, it's either he's a gorilla or a romance pimp. No, he was romantic and he was a gorilla pimp. He was someone that I wanted to change. I felt like I could change him and turn him into someone good. Now, listen, I was the original Black Lives Matter. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I was down for the black people. I'm telling you, I was their advocate. He told me the white people enslaved us and you're paying restitution. And I was oh. like, okay. He used to call me cracker. He used to call me white effing. Uh, yeah, you don't want to yeah, know all the words. Yeah, yeah I don't so, have yeah, a beat I, button. I, so. You know, I didn't know what cracker meant back in the day. And now I I, now, I just learned about it a couple of years ago because of the CRT stuff right now. So right. I didn't know what cracker meant. I literally thought it meant saltine cracker. I never asked him what it meant. Because every time I asked him a question, you know, that he didn't like me to ask, he would hit me. So... Yeah. The thing is, is that I'm still an advocate, by the way. It doesn't matter that my, my pimp was black. My, other, my next pimp I had was black as well. I still love all people that are black. Well, that's, that's what we're called to do. Christians, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're called to love everybody. What? I'm married to a Mexican-American. <laughs> I was always like to say, Mexican-American, don't like to get up early. So they do it real slow. You know who that is? <laughs> he loves that song by, by uh, Cheech. 
Oh, 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 man. I, he is I'm a just... proud. He is a proud Chicano. Let me tell you, my, my, my husband is a Chicano and he's proud of it. And he calls me his Chicano Weta. And I don't know why, because I have no Spanish or no, no Mexican or no Latina in me. But he calls me his Chicano Weta. So I'm like, OK, whatever, bro. <laughs> well, well for, so, for some of my listeners, real quick, just to fill them in, if, if you're not a fan of Striper, Oz is the guitar player. Uh, for Striper, and I'm a huge fan of Striper, and Anne is married to Oz, and they're I a am. lovely couple, lovely, cute couple. Um, check them out on Facebook. They always do the cutest videos. Uh, but, all right, I didn't want to interrupt your story, but I thought I'd better Yeah, we'll be doing in. one soon again. We need to do an update. But, yeah, so, you know, my heart, I love all races. Like, in fact, I'm going to be honest with you. The only race I was very prejudiced against was my own. I was mad at white guys for a minute. I sure was. I sure was. Because my first experience with a white man broke my heart. Mm. And I thought, white men don't value me. Black men do. <laughs> I got all the uh. attention from the black men. <laughs> uh. So, you know, it's funny how your mind plays tricks on you when you get rejected and when you don't feel like you're loved. And so, and I was really a huge fan, still am, of R&B and, and music that is, you know, jazz-centered and just, I love all the oldies. Oh my gosh. I'm such a fan of the forties and fifties and sixties music. I love it all. Me and my husband have so much in common with that. We just love it. We love soul music. We love, I, I, what we really love right now is he's really into the Hispanic, like seventies, sixties, seventies music. Oh my gosh. It's so fun. There's so many cool, you know, groups and uh, fun music that he told me, Whittier Boulevard, they used to go up and down Whittier Boulevard and play these songs blasted in the car in the lowriders. <laughs> ah, the low but rider. yeah, so you know, I, I just got with this in two different pimps, by the way. I left him finally. He kidnapped me, cut all my hair off. You guys, listen, this is a short podcast. You're going to have to go get my book. It's called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. And it's on Amazon, it's on our website as well. It's got a link to it. And there's also an audio version that actually my husband recorded and then there it's in Spanish as well. So if you are a Spanish speaking person and you rather read in Spanish, it's in Spanish. I had a great translator do it for us. Uh, she was phenomenal tra uh, Spanish translator. Oh yeah. Real quick and, um, audience. Yeah. If check out, um, I should throw out the website here. Um, go to hookersforjesus.net. It is hookersforjesus.net. And I always go straight to the menu tab when I go to websites and that will show you all the different uh, categories to check out yeah, and do check out her book fallen um, out of the sex industry and, and into the arms of the savior. Um, yeah, please do. And, and you also have a donation tab on there. I, I do believe. I, 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 yeah, we do because we are a nonprofit. We've been, I've been doing outreach since 2005. I got radically just totally, Oh my gosh, the Holy spirit and God's love just came into my heart. I already knew who Jesus was. I went to church growing up. And so, but the real Jesus showed up on that day that I overdosed on August 2nd, 2003. And Ken, I feel like I met you before. You look so familiar to me. Um, I'm looking at your Facebook. <laughs> you know what? And I I don't know. Maybe at a Striper concert, but I... Yes, I, at, at a meet and greet. Did you ever get a meet and greet? I never, I never did go to a meet and greet. 
I never okay, have. Okay, well, you just look like I've shook your hand and hugged you before. You look so familiar. So, you know, you guys, this is the bottom line, what happened. I did get out of trafficking. I was in it for more than 10 years, uh, off and on 16. I got into the automotive trade for a short while, but then, like I said, I fell back into trafficking. And I got into drugs because I never had my real healing. And I got hooked on drugs the 10th year of working in the sex industry, maybe the 11th year. I can't remember exactly what year it was. Wait a minute. It was 1998. The first time I ever tried, 97, the first time I ever tried cocaine, 97. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just solved all my problems. It really did. It made me feel invincible. It made me happy again. I think my, my mind and my body were so abused from being trafficked and being used that I had such a depression going on in my mind that when an opiate was introduced into my bloodstream, it changed everything and it made the dopamines fire off from my brain and I finally felt happy again. And I think people don't really understand drug addiction. They don't understand that sometimes that the people that do drugs is because they've already had their brain altered from a lot of trauma and their dopamines aren't producing like they used to. And so now there's a deficit in their brain and it's very easy to become addicted again to that mm. substance because you know it's giving you these euphoric feelings of everything's going to be okay. I have strength. I can get through this. I can do this. I don't have to be alone. Mm. So, you know, when I overdosed, that was like my wake up call. And then two years after that, after a lot of healing, a lot of reading, going to church, getting the, the deep healing that I needed, I started doing the outreach hookers for Jesus. And that's the nonprofit. And we have Destiny House, which is a place for women to come. It's a large property. It's a safe house for women that are recovering from trafficking. And we help them get into a brand new life and they get their trauma healed here. We have a ton of different therapies, horse therapy, art therapy. They get group trauma therapy. They go to, they all have a private uh, traumatologist counselor that helps them with their, their problems. And then of, of course they get into job acquisition, job resume building. And I'm telling you, their life is radically, radically transformed. And we are faith-based. So a lot of the ladies that uh, come into our program get radically, if not all of them, are transformed by Christ's love and his and compassion. That's, that's what um, it's all about, really. And that's what I like to see. And, um, you know, there's a lot of um, sex trafficking nonprofit organizations that, that do help women. And I think we're all... Um, happy for that you know that's a great thing but, but they I, need like, to donate to ours yes donate <laughs> donate to hookers for Jesus. well because we're the first ones i mean we're survivor led and there was nothing kenneth out there when i was doing this back in the day 2005 i i didn't know of anyone else that was doing this well i so like the part that we're you're, pioneers so to speak you, you're not leaving jesus out you know it's it's easy to help in a nonprofit way but a lot of sometimes organizations leave out Jesus and in a transformed life that only he can give. And that's what I like about your ministry, that you guys aren't afraid to bring Jesus into the equation. Um, about, about how many uh, women are, can be in destiny houses that, um, that, that you guys can work with at one time? Well, uh, you know, we have right now, we have 10 beds in the main house and we have three beds in our mini apartments that are on the same property. Okay. So we have 13 beds and then we, we're opening up a place called Dream House. And Dream House is, it's going to have six beds 
so that is our secondary program. It's after the first year they graduate Destiny House. Dream House is a place where they can come after they've attained their job and they're going or they're going to school and they can live there for a year to, to up to two years. And basically it's more independent living. It's less structure. There's case managers during the day, but at night they're on their own. So, you know, the ladies learn how to be good roommates. They learn how to, you know, live their life in sobriety and live their life with purpose and, you know, really pursue their God-given dreams that God's put in their hearts and, you know, get their money saved and maybe, you know, start their own business. I mean, that would be something amazing, right? Start their own business like I did. I started my own business. It's a nonprofit, but it's my own business. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's all about. You know, not only freeing them from the sex industry, but giving them, like you said, giving them purpose, giving them a dream, giving them hope. And uh, that's really, really awesome. Um, And Annie, I don't want to take too much of your time tonight, but um, I think we kind of talked about, you know, your testimony, how you got into it, but what, I guess, what can the church or what can we do as a, even a community, not only the church, but the community, because um, my heart breaks for, you know, young women that are brought into this lifestyle. Is there something? And, and there's, there's men too, and young boys and young girls too. So it's everyone. Yeah, that's. And of, yeah. And of course the LGBTQ that don't identify as male or female, they're brought in there, you know, as well, very much because they're very vulnerable because of the fact that they are, in a place where they just don't identify. And so they, they kind of are isolated uh, with the genders that they pick and traffickers love that because they can exploit them even more, Mm. you know, especially Mm. when they're confused and they're fluid with their gender and they're, they're deciding I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a girl and a boy today, or I'm going to be just a man, or I'm just going to be this, or I'm going to be one third man. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say anything about the LGBTQ because we love them and we support them uh, because, but they are very, very vulnerable and the traffickers see that and they want to uh, be able to exploit them because of that vulnerability. And um, it's just, you know, uh, usually what happens is, you know, with, with women that do get trafficked is they, they are, it always starts somewhere. It starts at the home. Something Mm -hmm. happened. Maybe the mother or father wasn't there. Maybe there was abuse Maybe they were foster kids. Maybe they came from poverty. Maybe they never had a dad. Maybe they never had a mother. Maybe they only had one or the other. Maybe their aunt brought them up. Maybe there's their older sister or older brother brought them up. Maybe they were a runaway their whole life. I mean, there's so many different variables and so many things uh, that happen in the minority groups. They have, there's a large population of people that are trafficked, you know, but there is, of course, the Caucasian population as well. So, but we just really what the church and communities can do is to get involved. First of all, number one, get involved. And you can do that by going boots on the ground into your local environment, their local communities and find out who is fighting trafficking. And I would definitely vet them, make sure that their 990 lines up their, their nonprofit money. They have a, an accountant, a bookkeeper that you can see their books, you know, and a lot of the times people are just starting out. So they're not going to have that right away. So you got to kind of just pray, who am I going to support? The second thing is you really need to support survivor-led initiatives. Survivor-led is a model that is super important because it encompasses survivor-led staff and volunteers. 
And the perspective of the survivor is a very strong perspective because we are the ones who've experienced it. We're not leaning our experience on schooling or what words we memorized in a class, in a college somewhere, or what dissertation we gave in a college somewhere. We are relying on our memories, okay, mm -hmm. our experience. And uh, for us, when you say trauma-informed, you know, it's just such a fancy word. But I really believe that love is the answer. And Jesus, and I will say this again, I've said this on a lot of different interviews, Jesus is the original trauma-informed care. Jesus, that's it. Jesus. Mm. And what is Jesus? He is love. Mm. He's the savior. He's the comforter. He's the best friend. He's the provider. He's the protector. Amen. He is the one who brings peace. He is the grace giver. He is faithful when we're not faithful. He's all these things and more. And, you know, we could go on and on about Jesus, but that I, to I, me I, is I'm trauma informed to preach care. There. I, mm -hmm. I, I think you should just go ahead and preach a sermon there. You know, you, right. <laughs> you might get a few amens from me, but um, no, that's good stuff. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that's, that's all, uh, excellent stuff. Um, and you also have, um, the pink chair. That's your, um, what would you call that podcast or is that a, it is a podcast as well as a TV show. So yeah, first we film it on television live and, and then we air it to Las Vegas it, with the Christian television network and it's aired in Tennessee with the Christian television network in Chattanooga. And then at the Super Channel in Florida, it's aired to all of Orlando, and we come on right before Paula White. Okay. So, yeah, God is opening doors, and it's a talk show. Uh, someone come up to me after I spoke in 2019 after a speaking gig at a trafficking conference and said, hey, I really believe, like, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you you're supposed to have your own talk show. Well, funny thing it was one of the directors and so they invited me onto the set and interviewed me and then told me i think you should have your own show pray about it so i did and there was green light go so we have a show and it's so fun i love bringing guests into the into the studio it's called annie's pink chair it's because the entire set is pink and white a little bit of tan a little bit of black but it is a beautiful set and our chairs are pink velvet, and I love it. Okay, that's so uh, that's so ladylike, so lady. Yeah, pink. yeah, yes, yes. So um, it's 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 basically we bring real raw relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective. But you know, the whole premise of me doing outreach was a conversation, and then I would inv invite them to dinner or lunch or to Starbucks, and then a chair. We'd all sit down. And then all of a sudden they would say, can I come with you to church? And then I would see a change. Mm. So it's basically a conversation, a chair, a change. And I would watch ladies get out of the sex industry by meeting me, mm. telling me they're done and they want to be free because they felt trapped because most, you know, if, if not a large majority of the sex industry, you end up becoming sex trafficked eventually. So that's why we're here to bring hope and healing and help to, to those ladies that are 
drowning in the deep, dark waters of sex trafficking. And we come with our little hooker boat because it's it's a hooker. That's what it's called. It's an, a boat from, from actually from Holland. And it's called the hooker. And we come in there and we put out our net and we put out our little our little uh, fishing pole and we just grab onto the people that are drowning and we hoist them up in the boat. And we we uh, basically sail them to the shore and dry them off and help them start their life brand new. Oh that's man, that's hookers that's, for Jesus. That's, that's right. awesome. That's some great, yeah. great stuff. And again, folks, um, before we go, um, I don't, I don't want to keep Annie too long here, but do check out her book, Fallen, Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. Available everywhere. Check out Amazon. We'll have it for sure. And um, Destiny's House. And go to their website, hookersforjesus.net, and go over to the menu page. There's a donate page and you can support the cause. And I'm sure she could use the funding to continue rescuing uh, people from the sex industry. Um, Andy, before, before we let you go, um, I do again, appreciate you being on the show. Um, can I ask you to just say maybe a short prayer um, concerning those out there in the sex trafficking in- industry? Absolutely. I'm going to speak to those out there that might be listening that you've like gotten a little bit lost and you, you ventured in a place that you never thought would harm you, but now it's harming you. And I just want to tell you that there's hope for you, that you are not alone and that guess what? God loves you. And so I pray right now, father God, I just ask that you would open everyone's eyes, that you would show them your love, make yourself real to them. Jesus, make yourself known to them. Show them your love. Lord, I ask for doors that need to shut, shut right now. I ask for doors of open promises to open up right now in Jesus' name. And I ask that those chains that are bound around their feet, those spiritual chains bound around their hands, and those blinders that are in their eyes that would just all fall off, and I declare them free in Jesus' name. and. We just thank you right now that you've set apart these precious souls. You set them apart for a greater purpose. There is no way that you design them to sell themselves, to sell their bodies, to be used and abused and discarded like a coffee cup or like a condom. No, Lord, you did not design them like that. You designed them for a much higher purpose. And I also ask, Lord, that you would reveal that to them. Reveal their true identity, which is they are a son they are a daughter of the most high god and that they are royalty in your kingdom and we pray this all in jesus name and if you want to get out and if you're tired and you want help out of the sex industry or that you believe you've been being trafficked you can call us at 702-883-5155 you can text us call us 702-883-5155 we will help you And if we can't help you, we will find the help for you wherever you are, whether it be in the United States or outside of the country. Well, thank you so much, Annie. Um, Wow. Um, Thank you so much. Um, You do great work. And I'm so thankful that there's people like you that are out there rescuing people on the front lines. Um, You have an amazing story in it and an amazing uh, ministry. So Thank you so much again for taking the You're time. You're welcome. And I'll put a, put a link up to your website 
um, on my show tab. Um, so Thank folks you. out there for listening, there'll be a link on the page and you guys can check that out. And please uh, visit their donation page. Um, you know, if you really want to support, make a difference in people's lives, um, this is a great way to um, support someone doing a great work. So, um, all right, guys. Well, thanks for stopping by today, guys. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll, we'll see you next time on Mornings with Ken.